Well, hey there, story fiends, and welcome back to their stories everywhere with Aledria Hurt. I am your hostess, Aledria Hurt, and this week we are going to be discussing Lost Cargo by P.A. Cornell, who has decided to grace us with her illustrious presence. So, that being said, let's do a quick life update. Life continues as it always does, because let's face it, either you hear or you're not. So, that being said, that's your life update. And I think it's about time for us to get on with the show. So, here we go. There we are. So, welcome to Their Stories Everywhere with Aledria Hurt. Today we are talking to P Patty P.A. Cornell of Lost Cargo. Yay! <laughs> so Thanks for having me. <laughs> absolutely lovely to have you. So, tell us a little bit about yourself, please. Feel free to expound. <laughs> well, let's see. <laughs> um... Well, I've been uh, I've been writing basically my whole life, but I've been publishing mostly since 2016, fiction anyway. Um, so yeah, it's been a little while. Uh, and this is my debut novella that is coming out. Um, it's called Lost Cargo, as you mentioned. And uh, before that, I was mostly just doing uh, short fiction, which I'll continue to do because I love short fiction. So that that is kind of the main thing I've been working on. In the past several years. Um, I write science fiction, fantasy, and horror uh, primarily, and um, yeah, I love it. So, <laughs> Yeah, cool. You said you've been writing your whole life. What actually brought you to fiction, since fiction seems to be the new kid on the block? Um, for me, I mean, uh, well, I've been writing fiction actually my whole life, so that that's cool. not really new. I just haven't been publishing it for that long because I, I actually started with nonfiction. Um, okay. I don't know why <laughs> it just worked out that way, but I mean, I've, I'm a lifelong reader, so I just have always loved fiction. Okay, so you started out, you started out professionally publishing in nonfiction, and right. then just recently moved into publishing fiction. And yes. quick shout out to Mocha Memoirs Press because Nicole is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Because I I also have a book out with them, but this is not about me. So <laughs> <laughs> no, they're great though. Yeah. Yes, she her her and her entire team are are absolutely fantastic, and to see because you actually reached out to me. I was kind of a little bit surprised by that. But that <laughs> says that I'm, uh, that I'm starting to get a little bit of traction. Plus, you know, we have friends in common. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, so tell me a little bit about what brought Lost Cargo's idea to mind. Okay. Um, well, it started very simply with just a conversation I had with a friend who had come back from vacation and they were complaining to me how the airline had lost their baggage. And, you know, they're telling me all this stuff about how, what a pain it was and, and everything. And I'm thinking, you know, which is terrible. I'm tuned out of the conversation <laughs> as writers sometimes do. And I'm thinking in my mind, like what if they had lost something more important than luggage? Um, 
and this story actually is about uh, people who are on an interstellar ship heading to a new colony and they get accidentally launched halfway through their journey. So they're the cargo that gets lost. Um, and so it just came about from that. And of course the story is about more than that as well, but that's kind of like what started me thinking about that. And then uh, as they do, the characters kind of took on a life of their own and led me through paths I wasn't expecting to uh, explore, but here we are. <laughs> oh yeah, that's totally 100% normal for the characters yeah. to be like, um, and now we're gonna go over here. Totally. <laughs> you know. So we start out with lost baggage, which I'm sure everybody in the world who's ever taken a plane flight has either worried about or had it happen where they have lost baggage. And as somebody who is a longtime medication taker, I'm real careful about baggage when I travel. <laughs> For sure. Because if you end up in the wrong place with no meds, oh, you might be having a real hard trip. Yeah. <laughs> so tell me a little bit about where you're from um currently <laughs> I'm a little bit from all over but um I do currently live in Ontario Canada but I was born in Santiago Chile um my family immigrated to Canada in 1976 so we've been here a while we did go back for a little bit in the mid 80s but mostly I've been raised in Canada um, so yeah, so I've kind of got, I always feel like I have like a foot in two worlds in a way, like on the one hand, I'm very Canadian, but on the other hand, I have this, um, very South American background too. So I think it informs what I do, who I am. Yeah. You know? So, so when you ask me where I'm from, I'm a little bit from everywhere. <laughs> yeah, I, I totally understand that. Be it, I was... I was a military kid, so. Oh, you get it. <laughs> we, fo we followed daddy all over the place. <laughs> so, yeah. I think, does that, does that foot in two worlds help inform what goes on in the story? Um, well, yeah. I, I mean, the cast of this story is probably the most diverse cast I have written um, ever. I think in any of my stories, I do try to incorporate diversity anyway, just because that's the real world. <laughs> but um, in this case, it really had a lot to do with the, the plot as well, because um, there's six major characters in this, um, seven really, if you count the artificial intelligence that they have. Um, but they're all from different walks of life. They're from different parts of our planet and have different backgrounds they're strangers they don't know each other at all so that's kind of one of the things one of the obstacles i guess that they have to overcome is that they're so very different and you know they don't know each other and they have to navigate these different perspectives and whatnot so for sure my background also is reflected there too because yeah you have to kind of be able to see things from different perspectives which I think having grown up with a foot in two worlds has given me at least some like empathy of, of what that is like 
I can put myself in another person's shoes maybe more easily than some. Yeah, I I recognize mostly like the fish out of water trope. <laughs> like being the one per being the one person who's not from town, who suddenly is just in town and you're like, yeah. okay, what do I get what what's going on here? So <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I know that feeling. <laughs> I'm sure you do, because it's like if you go from how far is it from Chile to Ontario. Oh gosh, I couldn't tell you, but I mean, they're on the other side of the planet, so. <laughs> yeah, it's like, what is in the northern hemisphere? What is in the southern hemisphere? Exactly. It's like, so. there's some, there's some serious distance there. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. I mean, that's, I am so proud to have met you, honestly. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Just because it's like, I always love to meet new people. One of the one of the reasons that I even do interviews on the podcast is because I get to either chat with friends like Elmarie Wood or Nicole, and now I get to make a new friend. So this is happy. <laughs> yep, I'm happy about that too. <laughs> yes, because science fiction, fantasy, and horror can do 100% my jam. <laughs> so... Give us a little bit of backstory to get us to the part that you're going to read, unless you're starting from the beginning. Mm -hmm. uh, I am not starting. I'm, I'm near the beginning, but not quite. So, okay. Um, so where we are in the excerpt I'm going to read, um, our cast of characters has already uh, been stranded, I guess. They're stranded on this moon. Um, and they they basically just discovered what happened because they were um, in suspended animation. So they kind of wake up to this news that something went wrong and they're stranded on this moon. And not only are they stranded, it's also not a very hospitable place. And there are many dangers on this moon. And here uh, they get attacked by one of the locals <laughs> who's like a, a large, dangerous creature. So... Um, All right. Yeah, that's where we are Go at this point it. in the story. Okay. A sound like an explosion filled the pod, and the floor suddenly jerked upward, nearly throwing me off my feet. I leaned against my chamber, practically falling over the bed from the impact. What the hell was that? David's eyes were wide. It appears a large creature is attacking the pod, said Lennox. Another impact in the metal walls groaned as the, po as the pod rocked nearly out of the ditch it had dug itself then rocked back into it, sending Chai sprawling while Cowrie did his best to keep Gerda and Natalie on their feet. I gripped the bed, my fingers digging into the padded surface. The lights flickered on and on screen. Leonard did the same. Lennox did the same, sorry. The pod shook again and Chai yelled in Thai, but his translator was no longer working. I couldn't see why not, but I figured it must have been damaged in his fall. I braced myself for the next impact, and when it came, I watched as the bag of my belongings fell out of the compartment, the weight of its contents pulling it open. Out fell the silver cylinder rolling past my feet. No, I thought, and launched myself after it. The pod rocked again, sending me flying into David's chamber, my forehead slamming against the edge. Shaking off the daze, I felt a warm trickle of blood descend from my forehead. I wiped at it, the red stain showing bright on my arm. The pod again rocked violently, and I watched as the cylinder rolled back toward me. 
I managed to trap it between my leg and the base of David's suspension bed, then snatched it up with my hand before I could lose it again. I shoved everything back into my compartment, not bothering to put the cylinder back in the bag, and slammed it shut. I suggest you seal yourselves back into the, your suspension chambers, said Lennox, still flickering on screen. The gel should protect you from further impacts. I locked eyes with Carrie, both of us hesitating. We knew as long as the lights were still working, the chamber should be too, but there had been so many problems already. It seems the creature is pushing the pod toward a very steep drop, Lennox said. We have no choice, said Kauri, moving to help Natalie, who was closest to him. The others scrambled to the nearest chamber, even Chai catching on despite the language barrier. The next impact was the hardest yet, as if the creature had tired of toying with us. I gripped my chamber and watched Chai fly across the room as if in slow motion. He landed on one of the sealed chambers, screaming in pain in a way that left no doubt he'd broken something. He collapsed to the ground, screaming once more. Cowrie finished sealing Natalie into her chamber and leaped across to where Chai lay. He pulled him up without much care for the other man's injury and lifted him into his chamber, closing the lid. Inside, I watched Chai don his breathing mask and activate the flash gel release. Cowrie climbed onto the bed next to mine and began sealing himself in, noticing me at the last second. What are you waiting for? I climbed onto my chamber's bed and lay back, triggering the suspension sequence as I did so. As the cover rolled across the top of my body, I hit the override for the automatic systems. I wasn't going to sleep through this. I needed to know what was happening. As another impact sent me crashing into the side of the chamber, I grabbed the life support mask and put it on, then triggered the gel, flash filling the entire chamber. Cushioned by the gel, I could no longer feel the impacts, but I could see enough through its gelatin-like consistency to notice the flickering lights as the creature's assault continued. I knew the pod could take a beating, but it had already done so multiple times since launching. How much longer would it hold together? I focused on breathing as I watched what little I could see through my gel-obscured mask. Immobile in the chamber, I hoped would continue to keep me alive a little longer. That's it. Okay. Well, why is it that I'm picturing like a dinosaur from Jurassic Park <laughs> doing this? Probably because, like <laughs> probably because it it reminds you absolutely of that scene where the T-Rex is pushing the truck off the <laughs> side of the off the side of the mountain. Yeah, I hadn't even thought of that, but I've seen <laughs> that movie, so you know, maybe it's in there somewhere. <laughs> so of course, yeah, yeah, channeling my Jurassic Park. <laughs> Well, it's like I was thinking, uh, like I've discussed on the podcast previously, is there's a, a, a idea called resonance. And resonance is like, is the understanding that everything that a writer takes in can come out. And everything sure. that a reader takes in, they bring with them to whatever they're reading. So it's like, that's like, when I heard that, I'm going... This is a T-Rex that is pushing a pod <laughs> off the side of a mountain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. Everything you absorb, like, influences everything. That's why I always have a hard time answering, like, a who are your influences question, because it's like, everything, everyone and everything. <laughs> yeah, because it's like, who's your favorite author? <laughs> All of them. <laughs> You just kind of stare at a, like a deer in the headlights because right. you're like, yeah. do I say like the standards or do I give you somebody you've never heard of or what? what yeah, it's so is, hard. 
Right. And you don't want to start naming your friends either because then you're leaving people out. (laughs) Oh God. Yes. Cause it's just like, (laughs) no, no matter what happens, you're always going to leave somebody out. This is why I don't do like post Dragon Con posts when I go to Dragon Con, (laughs) because I will invariably forget somebody who I talk to over the course of the weekend. Sure. Which reminds (laughs) me, are you going to any like in public? Any in public Um, stuff? Not in um, the near future. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, just just online. It's, you know, it's tough for me to get to places from Canada anyway. Yeah. Um, But, you know, now in pandemic times, too, it's extra hard. (laughs) Yeah, I 100% understand that one. Mm -hmm. And this year has just been a crazy year for me, just in general with life stuff. So it's, you know, travel is just one more thing that I don't need right now, so. (laughs) <laughs> okay, that's cool. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have to you you have to prioritize the writing yeah, for sure. and the getting through the life stuff and mm-hmm. just dealing sometimes. Yeah, I mean, I still feel the FOMO. You know, I want to see my friends that I haven't seen in a while, and you know that sort of thing. But maybe next year. <laughs> we'll yeah, see. maybe next year. We'll see. Mm-hmm. At that point, you'll you you'll have a you'll have a brand new novella. <laughs> <laughs> to be like here buy a copy (laughs) yeah for sure (laughs) that has got to be one of my favorite things about going to conventions is getting a chance to getting a chance to talk to others who are of I guess you could say the similar ilk (laughs) right who are basically like we're all we're all scribbling monkeys we're happy yeah (laughs) people who get it right (laughs) yeah people who totally get it because they're like oh yeah I spend three hours a day alone just scribbling. I'm sure you understand how that feels when you, you're you on like your fifth cup of coffee and you're like trying to make the scene work and it's not, it, and it is literally defying you. Yes. I'm working <laughs> on a story like that right now that's struggling to come out. Yeah. What is your favorite, like, what is your favorite genre of music to write to? Or does it change for genre of book? Um, I don't really write to music because I kind of have to write in quiet. But sometimes when I'm thinking about ideas or whatever, like just processing it all in my mind, then I'll listen to music. And then it does vary. Like it, it really just varies by story. And I've listened to all kinds of things over the years just to kind of, I don't know, help with that. imagination part of the process yeah getting getting the ball rolling initially sometimes requires a little bit of a little bit of getting it unstuck Mm -hmm. yeah I understand do you have a favorite movie one favorite movie (laughs) no so many favorite movies it's uh I don't know I think if I had to name one I have to go with E.T. the extraterrestrial which is of course childhood fave of mine and it still holds up in my opinion so yeah yeah, but I mean god there's so many but it would probably (laughs) be in in the science fiction genre though I do love fantasy and horror too um I'm a sucker for science fiction movies yeah if you had to rank the three of them, who's got number one spot? If I had to write, sorry? If you had to rank them. Oh, rank. Oh, rank the genres? Yeah. 
yeah, for sure I'd go with science fiction. Okay, so science fiction gets top spot. Who's mm-hmm. wrangling in number two? That's tough. It's, that, I it kind of depends, huh? Yeah, they're kind of together in number two. <laughs> because they're both they're both great. Yeah. It just depends on my mood. Okay. I can I can follow that. Because mm-hmm. you know, I'm pretty much the same way. It's like whatever the idea dictates is what happens. Yeah. And right now, right now, I am literally just kind of noodling along. It's, uh, I, although I have to say at this point, it's like 25,000 words. I really need to, to figure out what I'm doing with it. <laughs> it's, like, it's like at that point, I have made a serious commitment. I should probably just figure out what I'm doing. So <laughs> have you ever had that situation happen with you where you just started kind of playing with an idea and it suddenly just went, Oh, hi. I want to be this. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that happens all the time. Um, like some stories I'll, I'll kind of pre-plan or whatever, but I don't mm. do that that much. Sometimes that, that is how I start where I'm just kind of, you know, typing along. Let's see what happens where this story leads me. And, mm. you know, and yeah, sometimes it's really unexpected places. So, so for sure. And that's that's part of the fun, I think, for me of of doing this is just you know discovering the story in a way like the same way a reader does and I, I think readers don't realize how little we know sometimes when we're doing this you know they think we have the whole story mapped out not always sometimes it's we want to know what happens too so you know yeah. that's great for me I think how many drafts do you do typically oh wow I mean Again, that varies for something like this novella. Yeah, a, a lot. <laughs> I I didn't really count. There were so many different iterations of this, and there were subplots that were cut and things that over the year or two that I was writing it. I'm not even sure how long I was writing it for, but um, yeah. So that one quite a bit, but I've I've had short stories that were you know one or two drafts and were ready to go. So. It, it really varies. I feel like some stories are just kind of, they easily emerge into reality and then others are struggle <laughs> and you have to tweak a lot. Um, so yeah, I mean, it just depends on the story for me, but I guess the short answer is I'll, I'll do as many drafts as it takes. So. Yeah. That, that's the, that's the usual answer is that as long as it as long as I can get it out and it looks good by the time I send it to the editor, mm-hmm. <laughs> then we're good. <laughs> yeah. So it's about time for me to let you go. I am so glad that I got to meet you. I am so glad that I got to hear about your ongoing success. <laughs> Thank you. Because it's going forward. Tell everybody where they can find you online. Um, probably the easiest way to track me down would be by my website, which is pacornell.com. And from there, there's links to all my published work. Um, there's a list of forthcoming work. Um, and you can find all my social media on there. So that's probably like the hub that I would direct everyone to. Okay. What's your social media of choice? Um. I'm on Twitter quite a bit, which is more kind of the industry um, 
connecting, I guess I do there. Um, but for me, my favorite right now would probably be Instagram. Okay. Um, because I just like the visuals and everything. So I've, I'm doing that a little bit more. That's more fun for me. So. Okay. It's a good. So if they can catch you, if they're going to try to catch you, they may catch you more likely on Instagram, but yeah, still likely they may catch you on Twitter. Sure. Sure. So. Yeah. And you know, generally when people talk to me on Twitter, I'll talk back. So. <laughs> hey, that's what it's for. It's social media. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so guys, this has been PA Cornell, otherwise known as Patty. She's going to, She's going to bring out Lost Cargo here in about a week. And uh, this has been Their Stories Everywhere. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you. And there you have it, Story Fiends, the discussion with Patty, P.A. Cornell, author of Lost Cargo, available through Mocha Memoirs Press. And as always, here at the podcast, you are welcome, of course, to drop me a line at my website, www.aledriahurt.com. Email me at aledria at aledriahurt.com. Or you can just kind of drop me a line here at the podcast through anchor.fm.